Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Hello, Victory family, and welcome to church. Welcome back to our home. We are broadcasting from our home in the South. Now, you've uh, recently heard the news a couple of uh, days ago that we have gone back to stricter quarantine, wherein the government recently declared MECQ across Metro Manila uh, modified enhanced community quarantine. Now, hope you're all, you're all doing fine as you stay at home, uh, you know, uh, just worshiping and uh, staying with your family, attending our online worship services we just want to uh, welcome those of you who are also joining us, for maybe for the first time. Thank you for dropping by, and we do hope that you will be blessed with our service today. Now, in our preaching, we are still in the book of Romans, the gospel explained, and we have been here for a while. We are now on week number 11 of our 22-week series. Yes, you've heard me right, 22 weeks. We're halfway in our series. Now, so that we can better appreciate our sermon series. Allow me to just give a little background on the book of Romance. The book of Romance is known as the Apostle Paul's magnum opus and is described as the cathedral of the Christian faith, one of his best writings about the gospel. Uh, Martin Luther, in fact, wrote about the Romans, and he said this, this, this epistle is the chief part of the New Testament and the very gospel. It cannot be read or pondered too much, and the more it is dealt with, the more precious it becomes, and the better it tastes. Wow, I love the description of Martin Luther about the, you know, the Apostle Paul's letter on Romans. Now, so that we can have a better taste of the book of Romans, once again, uh, we will be reading this time from chapter 7 of Romans, just six verses. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open it? Uh, we're going to look at the ESV version, okay? And that's the English Standard Version, uh, only six verses. And I want to read starting from verse 1. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Verse 4, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Verse 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray uh, today. Father, thank you so much for our time, and I thank you that you have given us a new life. Thank you for what uh, Jesus Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your transformative work in our own life, that as we look to you in the work of Christ on the cross, we are daily being changed uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. And amen. All right. Um, you know, several years ago, I actually bought a book entitled Skinny Rules. In fact, I, uh, I have this book right now. Uh, the author is Bob, Coach Bob Harper of the hit uh, TV series, The Biggest Loser. Now, it is known to be a virtual GPS to your weight loss goals. Um, no gimmicks, no fads, just a no-nonsense way of getting thin. And so I, you know, I bought this just so that it can actually help me. It's, it says that you know, losing weight has never been so easy. And here is a weight loss plan that is clear, logical, and easy. Now, when I read the book several years ago, it was pretty clear and straightforward. Not sure if it's logical, but definitely not easy. Now, to give you some samples of the rules, these are rules on how to be thin. Rule number one, uh, there, there are 20 rules. I'm not going to read them all, but I'm just going to glean from some of the rules that I have read from this book. Rule number one, drink a large glass of water before every meal. No excuses. Okay, like before, not after. And so, you know, at first I was wondering why before. And so he explained the, the benefit of water. And so we, we know that, that our bodies is, you know, made mostly of water. Rule number two is this. It's interesting. Don't drink your calories. Now, if you are one who drinks, uh, for example, who loves milk tea, juices, sugary coffee, now this rule talks about that. Rule number three, eat protein at every meal or stay hungry and grouchy. Okay, then he shares a formula. How much meat do we eat per day? Now, you know, a simple formula that he said is take your weight in pounds, divide by two, and that's the amount of meat in grams that you eat per day. So, if, for example, if you have two, you're, if you're 200 pounds, okay, just an example, divide by two, that's 100. That's 100 grams that you have to eat every day. Now, if you're only 100 pounds, you can only eat 50 grams of meat. Now, how about samgyupsal? If you love samgyupsal, then you got to throw this rule out, okay? Now, rule number seven, no carbs after lunch. No comment on that. Rule number 13 is this, get rid of fast food. Talk to the young people, okay? Get rid of fast food, okay? Especially my kids, okay? By the way, rule number 18 is this. It's interesting. Go to bed hungry. It's always good for you to hear that growl in your stomach because as they said, if you hear the, if you hear the growl, it means that your fat is being burned uh, uh, during your uh, nighttime uh, rest, okay? So it means no midnight snacks, okay? Now, rule number 20 is interesting. Plan one splurge meal a week, not one per day. Now, the bottom line, bottom line idea of the book is when you follow these rules to the letter, you will lose weight or be skinny. So if you can, you can actually fit your skinny jeans for the ladies. Now, my question is, did it work? I don't think so. Uh, maybe not. Okay. When we don't keep up with the rules that we have set to follow, many times we become frustrated. And we may even behave the opposite. If you can't follow the skinny rules, for example, then you go the extra mile in breaking them. You know, just go ahead and uh, binge eat. Okay. But at the core of all these is the idea that we need rules for life. Now, how many of you have rules? How many of you hear rules? You probably, uh, you know, if you're children, you have rules coming from your parents. If you're an employee, you have rules in your office. If, you have, uh, you're, if you're married, you have rules 
for one another. We want to be clear. We want clear directions for what to do and what not to do. You know, we need the Ten Commandments, for example, or the four spiritual laws, or, or maybe some of us do New Year's resolutions, or we look at the loss of financial wealth, so on and so forth. You know, we want self-help books that give us instructions to help us improve ourselves. In fact, one of the largest sections of bookstores or maybe uh, online uh, bookstores uh, is the self-help section. You know, there's something about rules or laws that affects the way we live. There's something innate about the human experience that we need rules to make us better or to make us successful or to escape the chaos, the traps us in this world. And so we want to follow certain things in order to guide us. We try to keep the rules or law. But at some point, you will probably break one or two eventually. You know, how many of you have tried, you know, keeping uh, uh, laws or maybe the Ten Commandments and, or your traffic laws and you maybe have broken uh, a thing or two or maybe most of it? Well, in reality, in life, we might be making some rules for a living that we're trying to keep up with, but we can never really keep up with them and we end up being frustrated. Interestingly, you know, when you look at the book of Romans, a big chunk of the section that we have been talking about is the law. And maybe one of the most complicated theological issues in the Bible is that of the believer's relationship to the law. The word law, when you talk about law, this has actually been used 19 times in Romans chapter 7. If you go and read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 7, you will count there's 19 references of the law. And it's so clear that the Apostle Paul's theme for the entire chapter is the law. Paul was talking to the church in the great ancient city of Rome when he was writing this. Uh, some are Jewish, some are non-Jewish, and all are presumed followers of the way, followers of Christ. You know, the Jewish believers are very familiar with the Torah or the law, the law of God given to Moses in Mount Sinai that were given for the people of God to obey. They're so familiar with the Ten Commandments. As Christians, we actually grew up uh, hearing the Ten Commandments. Now, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that those rules or those laws have now been superseded by a greater law or a greater rule. The Mosaic law has been or have been superseded by the law of grace or by the law of the Spirit. And this law of grace is the only real thing that can organize the case and give us peace you know, that is taking place within our soul and even around the world. Now, as we have read in the passage earlier, the Apostle Paul used an illustration that is clearly understood by the people or by the culture of that time. And I believe even us living today, you would be able to grasp the truth behind the image or the illustration or the analogy that the Apostle Paul has used. It may sound a bit Awkward as we talk about marriage relationships since we are talking about a spouse dying and we become widowed in the process and then we take on a brand new spouse. Now I want to talk about today, you know, three thoughts about what belonging to a new spouse really mean. And we've seen that in the first six verses of chapter 7, Paul shows that we are no longer married. 
the first husband died. You know, a death has taken place. And now we are joined to Jesus Christ so that we might bear fruit for God. Now, Paul uses this illustration and made reference to what he was talking about in Romans chapter 6. In describing, in the previous chapter, in describing our relationship with the law versus our relationship with grace. Do you remember that preaching? If you would like to just recall, you go ahead and, uh, you know, go back to our YouTube Uh, It's all there in our previous uh, messages. Now, he is using the illustration of marriage and having a new spouse. We now belong to a new husband. Three things that I want to share. We now belong to a new husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you read again from verse 1, it says, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? And Paul Uh, first makes a general statement about the law's jurisdiction over a person only as long as he lives. Then he illustrates his point by showing that a woman, in this particular case, is bound to her husband as long as his husband is alive. He is not giving, you know, the Apostle Paul is not trying to give a comprehensive teaching here about divorce or remarriage, but just a simple illustration on the relationship of the law with that of one who is widowed. He uses an analogy to make the point. The law has jurisdiction over the living, not over the dead. Now, if a person dies, he is no longer under the law. Now, let's read from verse 2. It says here, For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage, And in verse 3, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is freed from that law. And she, if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Now, in this particular illustration, a woman or the woman in picture is a, really uh, a picture of the believer. And that's you and me. You know, if the first husband dies then the woman is released from her marriage and is therefore released from the law. Now, which means that there is a change of status. She's no longer considered married and now is single, or to be more accurate, widowed. Not only is she released from her husband because he passed away, but she is now released also from the marriage law. If her husband dies, the law can say nothing to her as to where she can go or what she can do or who she can be with. She is released from the law. The death of the husband makes the woman dead to the law as well. Now I want to clarify that the law is not her husband. The woman was not married to the law. In fact, when you look at the law, the law, you know, when we got saved, Now that we're Christians, now that we're in Christ, you know, Jesus himself said, I'm not here to abolish the law. We're not exempted from obeying the law. But yet, we have a different motivation. I'm going to talk about that later on. But yet, going back to this illustration, she was married to her husband, whom the law binds together. Then we would ask the question, now, who is her first husband in the first place? Well, if we understand the context, then it would be clear who the husband is. 
Do you remember our preaching a couple of weeks ago about you know, all of us being born with the original sin because of the actions or the deed of one man? And you know, do you remember what the name of that man is? Well, the first husband that we see in this picture is Adam, the old life in which we were born with. And in marriage, the two shall become one. We're familiar with that passage you know, in the book of Genesis. We were joined into the old life of sin, linked with it, you know, talking about Adam. And we couldn't shake it off because we are one in marriage. The woman cannot have two spouses at the same time. She cannot marry a second husband while she's married to the first one. But when the first husband dies, in this particular case, when that Adam, Adamic nature dies, then the law of marriage dies with him as well. Now, I got a couple of friends, male friends, who are widowers. You know, one lost his wife due to a sickness, and the other lost his wife through an unfortunate accident. They both uh, remained unmarried for a while, but then decided to remarry after being widowed uh, after several uh, months or years. And sometimes it's a bit odd to hear about remarriage, especially if we know the deceased wife personally. But the, the succeeding, the following marriage is legal and binding since the former marriage is no longer in place. In fact, one of the things that we say in, in a wedding is, till death do us part. The death of a spouse has released the widow or the widower from the marriage covenant. And the widow or a widower is now free to be united to a new spouse. Now, Paul used this analogy to illustrate our old relationship with our sinful nature of Adam and the law. And now we have a new spouse in Christ. We are now joined with him and we share life with him and we can now live like him. Second thought I want to share with us is we now bear new fruit of holiness because of this union in Christ. In verse 4, it says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you may bear fruit for God. Excuse me. He applies the point showing that we died to the law through the death of Christ. Now, this is where we see the gospel of Jesus being declared in this verse. The body of Christ refers to the death of Jesus on the cross. On that cross, Jesus knew no sin and he became sin for us so that we might also die to the law and become the righteousness of God. That is the gospel. A miracle took place on the cross. A divine exchange happened. You know, during that day when Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, the old life died and a new life arose through our union with Christ. Now, if you recall in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, all of this language is communicating one central idea, which is the centerpiece of our faith, and that is our union 
with Christ. Aren't you glad that you are no longer the same person that you were before? You know, once we were far away from God, once we were alienated from Him, but now because of faith, you know, by the grace of God and the invitation for us to accept the, the free gift of God, we are now united with Christ. We are married to Him. That's one analogy to put it, one picture that we, we have actually uh, been uh, when talking about today. Last week we talked about we have a new master. You know, sin used to be our master, but now we are, mas- uh, we are now slaves of righteousness. Today we're talking about marriage or union with Christ. That when you place your faith in Jesus, Christ is now in you and you are in Him. We're now united with Christ. We share in His suffering, but we also share in His glory. We share in His power. We have His hopes, His victory. We share in His name. We are called Christians. We share in His position. We share in His status. The Bible says we're co-heirs with Christ. We're now married to Christ so that we might bear fruit for God. Now, in verse 5, it says, uh, let me read this. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Now, while we were married to the Adamic nature of sin, we cannot break free from its patterns and way of life. You know, have you tried starting fresh or maybe resetting your life, trying to change? You know, I did that when I was like in high school. I tried changing. I tried doing good. I tried living morally. You know, we make goals. We make resolutions, but only failed. We tried to change, but we were powerless to do so. We may not, you know, you may, you may have attempted to live a good life, a moral life, you know, a life that is kind, a life that's generous, but that was not really inside of because inwardly, because we're not yet changed, we were wicked, we're selfish, we're envious, we're greedy. That was our nature, and that's our tendency. You know, if you read the succeeding verses of Romans chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, and verse 19 to 20, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul was describing the, the battle from within. And I'd like to read uh, some of those verses and I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, okay? So, I want you to listen carefully to the Apostle Paul's writing about this particular passage, the battle from within. In verse 15, he said this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now, let's go to verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, and the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Did you get that? Doobie-doo. Now, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Well, let's say it one more time. No, just kidding. Okay, But I think you get the point. If you go ahead and read that verse once again, What this verse is simply saying is this. It's a description of the battle within a man, within us, who wants to do what is right, but is incapable of doing it because sin is living inside of him. But now, the good news is this. We now serve in a new way that of 
the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to verse 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. You know, being married to Christ or being united with Him is a transforming relationship. Do you notice that, you know, married couples, you know, if you have been married for a while, do you notice that after being married for a long time, you begin to behave similarly? You know, you act the same, you prefer the same food, you have the same vision and values, etc. Because you have been united, you have the same, uh, you know, the same way of living. And because we share in the life of Christ, you know, we share in His life, His power. We're not only uh, able to do what He is, but we are also empowered by the Spirit to live just like Him, to live righteously. Another thing about this is being married to Christ is actually a love relationship. You know, I, you know, we are not just here because of obligation. We don't come to church because it is required of us, but we love to do it. We do not live to try to follow the demands of the law since Christ already met those demands when he went to the cross. It is not the law that straightens and empowers us to live holy life. It is love. We are not motivated by the law to straighten us because we have love as the motivating factor. We may fail, but we are still loved. Praise God. Now we live with an entirely new motive. The motive has changed from duty that condemns us to love that accepts us. One uh, last thought about this is, you know, being married to Christ is actually a holy relationship. We do not struggle to be holy. We are made holy. And to be holy means to be set apart. We are set apart as special people, children of God, co-heirs with Christ, no longer common, but special. And the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to live holy lives. If you're writing uh, down in your note, if you're writing a main point, this is what, uh, what I want to share to summarize what we have uh, talked about today. We have died to the law and have been united with Christ so that we can bear fruit for God by the power of the Spirit. We have been widowed from the first husband that we had and we have now been united with Jesus. You know, I want to end with this quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he said this, You're either a Christian or not a Christian. You cannot be partly Christian. You are either dead or alive. You are either born or not born. Becoming a Christian is not a gradual process. There's nothing indeterminate about it. We either are or we are not Christian, end quote. Wow, it's very simple. It's either you are in Christ or you are not in Christ. It's either you are still in Adam or you are now in Christ. In fact, the Bible says if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I believe that as we talked about this topic today, we are now united with Him. God will give us a brand new sense of being, a new life, and a brand new power to succeed as well. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Now, for those of you who would like to accept the gift of salvation, 
I'd like to give you an invitation. Maybe it is your first time to join us uh, today in our service. and Or maybe you have been uh, coming for uh, a few times, visiting us. But if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the right time to do it. Just follow along with me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have sent your Son, Jesus, to die for me. I confess that I have sinned and that I have broken your heart. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me the opportunity to be saved. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that he is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for the brand new life that you have given to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you pray that prayer, congratulations. That is the most important prayer and decision that anyone could ever make in his life. And if you, you know, if you want to connect with us, we'd love to know who you are, know who you are, meet up with you. Uh, just go ahead and click the connect button from the website, victorialabang.church. Uh, and uh, there will be people praying with you. Some of our pastors are going to be there to meet up with you. You know, this walk with the Lord is not designed to be walked alone. It is designed to be walked with the family of believers. And so once again, thank you and congratulations for making that decision today. Now for those of you who join us also in the sermon, uh, if you have, uh, you know, if you've been regularly, you know, trying to uh, apply this and talk about this, we have some discussion questions that we've prepared. So go ahead and take note of our questions. Uh, and I continue to encourage you to, you know, talk about this maybe over dinner table, you know, over lunch with your family you know, some of you are going to talk about this in your small group. So go ahead and talk about this. We are more interested in applying this word than just allowing it to remain in our notebooks. You know, the Bible says, you know, uh, we are to be not just hearers of the word, but we are to be doers of the word. Allow me to just end with a short prayer of benediction as we end this service. Father, thank you so much for our time today. And I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for what you have given to us, the new life in Christ, the union with Christ. And I thank you, Lord God, as we go about our tasks, as we go about our time with our families, bless everyone, Lord. Protect each one from sickness. Protect each one from, uh, Lord, uh, just discouragement because of all this. I thank you, Lord God, that you are indeed our healer. You are our provider. And we declare you the one who blesses us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn His face toward you and grant you peace. May the love of our Heavenly Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, that's the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us in our worship service. And just to remind everybody, uh, we still have our morning devotions every day from Monday to Saturday 9 a.m. So we want to invite you to join us to start your day with, uh, you know, a short word and a short time of prayer. So we'll see you uh, during the week and we'll, we hope that you can also join us again once again for our service next week. See you. Bye for now. God bless you all.
for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.